Episode 15. Halfway through the second series. Already? I know, time goes so quickly. So today we're going to do a part one of the A to Z of gin. Yep. We're going to be busting some gin jargon. Bust it. Mm-hmm. So sit back, pour yourself a glass of gin, enjoy. Jargon. You know what? I was just saying this the other day. One thing I hate is it war? Is it pestilence? Is it any of the four horsemen of the apocalypse? <laughs> no. It's jargon. jargon. It's it's what's bringing society down. Yeah, it excludes people, doesn't it? It does. Mm. So today we've got part one of the A to Z gin glossary. Mm-hmm. So we're going to look at some commonly used terms in the gin world, and mm-hmm. we're going to explain what they are. Gin world. Mm. Very much like to live there. You pretty much do, let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you what some of these are, and you're going to have to guess. I know you're going to know some of them. Well, before we start, let's uh, get on with the tradition of having a drink. Yay! What are you having today, Matthew? Well, I'm going back to the boutique gin company Advent Calendar Leftovers, <laughs> and I have got the cherry gin from the boutique gin company, and I am pairing that with the Artisan Drinks Company Barrel Smoke Cola as a mixer. Which is fantastic. So I'm making a big boy's cherry cola. <laughs> yeah, it's an odd coupling. It was actually the coupling that was suggested by the boutique drinks company themselves. Yes. So although it might seem an odd mixture having gin and cola, it's amazing. Oh, God, it's Like you so say, taste. big boy's cherry cola. Cherry cola was always my favourite when I was a little one. And you've also got there waiting in the wings. Yes, I'm going to only use half my bottle because I have got another gin. Not that I'm anticipating two drinks in the space of half an hour. But <laughs> uh, the boutique gin company again. But this one is the spit-roasted pineapple gin. And they also suggest, as an, as an odd coupling, to give that a try with uh, cola as well. So you're going to do the same. Yep. So have a taste. That is perfection. May I try? Yes, of course you may. It's cherry cola. Yeah, some of the best cocktails in the world are just two drinks, are Yeah, so I'll tell you what I'm trying today. Uh, Jam jar gin. The reason I'm trying this is because we've had this in our drinks cabinet for ages. Yeah. But on last week's show, during the gin news section, you talked about the fact that you can now buy the world's most expensive... £4,000 gin. £4,000 gin, and it's made by the same company. Mm Mm-hmm. Have a niff. Smells pretty ginny. Ginny. Classic. Mm. I'll tell you what though, that flavour's a surprise. It smells just like your classic juniper led gin. But when you taste it, it's almost um, nutty, almost creamy. Mm. Yeah, I know what you're coming out with the creamy, like. It's almost a milky gin. That's crazy. See how it goes with the tonic. Just I've, gonna wallop it all in yeah, there. Yeah, I did spill a bit. I've selected a connoisseur's tonic water to go with this, which I'm not entirely confident of my choice here because Fentiman's connoisseur's tonic water, I mean, it's absolutely amazing. Yeah, it's exceptionally better. I'm thinking you go with a different tonic. Are you? Yes, that's gonna, the cream and the tang there aren't gonna go. Have I made an error? Yeah, go and, okay. get, go and get another uh, tonic. What about just a Lixer? Lixer classic Indian. Indian. tonic water. Classic okay. Indian. Give it a jangle, a nose, and down the hatch. Now, that's very good. 
I've made another slight error there. Mm. In that I've put quite a lot of that tonic water in and, and something's been lost. The really unique flavour of that Jan Jar Gin. That sneaks in at the end there. Does it? Yeah. Mm. Back of the tongue. Mm. Earthy. Yeah, I can see it now, but I would That's still definitely say... That's definitely been... We've definitely drowned it out a bit there. Like, yeah, yeah, I would say with the Jam Dodge in, just go with a light, a light splash of tonic there. Okay, Matthew's finished his first drink and we haven't even started. Right. That's not the point. The pineapple gin's out. Okay. Are you going to go with the cola or are you going to go It doesn't smell good. I'm going to be honest. It's like, you know, Hershey's chocolate where you get that aftertaste. Do you know what? It's got a Red Bull smell about it. Yeah, yeah. That's never been a good thing for me. I'm going to taste it neat now. Very, very sweet. Oh, yes. Very, very sweet. Super sweet. Let's try it with the cola, as prescribed. And I am getting that um, slightly burnt, because uh, it's, what is it it's called? It's a bit roasted. It's roasted. I... So I think that'll go quite well with yeah. the cola, because that's barrel smoked barrel cola. Smoked, so it's, it's also got a, that a, yeah. smokiness to it. Intense so. smokiness. Let's have a go at this then. I know what you mean about the smoke. It's like... um. It's got that, that bitterness at the back of the mouth. Let's try that. Doesn't come across as a gin. I like that. That's nice. But you're absolutely right, that doesn't come across as a gin. It's got more of a, a darker spirit. A southern comfort yeah, kind of. Yeah, type I mm. vibe. But I, I enjoy that. Yeah. Okay. Oh, also, can we just talk about sea glass gin? Yes, we can. Because today we were at a place called Tynemouth Market. It's inside an old Victorian train station on the outskirts of Newcastle. And there was a chap there called Mark Carton. And he was from the Sea Glass Gin Company, which is an- another northeast based company. And he was selling Sea Glass Gin. Now, very, very interesting gin, this. It certainly was. It's like it... nothing I've tried before. One of them's a big fan of Ophir, and she wanted that spiciness, and they wanted the spiciness, and they wanted to use ginger, but he said if you use ginger in the gin, it's it's dangerous because it's, like a, it's a very, very pungent, strong flavour, and they wanted it as it was used in Indian cooking rather than if it was just used as a Christmassy type affair yes. in the gin. So they tried to balance it out, and I'll tell you what, turmeric fired through that drink it's not overly sweet it's quite dry and quite savory it's fiery yeah like you can feel the spice on your tongue and i don't like a fear gin no um, i'm not a fan of that stuff either uh, if i pronounce that correctly or up here so i wasn't 100 percent sure before i tasted it once i tasted it i was like this is this is yep. great so do try it i'm not entirely sure where it's available but it's look Whitley, i think it's whitley beer Whitley Bay. Yeah, Whitley Bay uh, Distillery. I think that's where it's from. Sea Glass Gin. Sea Glass Gin, but it is. It's, it's a treat, and Mark was a delight. And He's a lovely very, guy. Very, yeah, very, very informative and helped us out a lot, so that was very nice of him. So, great. Okay, shall we carry on with the show? Jargon Busters. A to Z. A. A nice, simple one to start off with. ABV. What does ABV mean, Matthew? Alcohol by volume. It does indeed. It's very simple. So a 50% ABV bottle of gin is half pure alcohol. Simple as that. But slightly more complicated is the term proof, which is closely linked to ABV. So you might see ABV on a bottle, but it might then say X percent proof. Proof is something that's been bothering me for a long time now. So when we went to see Poetic Licence, I asked Luke Smith... Mm-hmm. distiller there who's now of Mason's 
what proof means and he gave me a really good explanation. So here's Luke Smith to tell us what proof is all about. It's quite easy once you get your head around it. So if you're talking about uh, in America, proof is exactly double ABV. Yeah. In the UK, 100% proof is 57.7% ABV. So it's not quite double. It stems from, um, and this is quite a nice story in, in terms of alcohol. A hundred years ago, there was no hydrometers. There was yeah. no, I mean, we've got a nice electric one that measures density using UV, crazy thing. What would happen is you would get a teaspoon, you would put alcohol in that teaspoon, put a few grains of gunpowder on a teaspoon. Yeah. So if it ignited, it was deemed as proof. You need proof before you buy it because you don't want it to be crap. So if you're, if you're on a, a Navy ship and you've traveled out 500 miles, and a cannonball hits your ship, all of the booze is stored next to the gunpowder, the two most valuable things in the same yeah. place. If the booze barrel breaks and the gunpowder barrel breaks and they mix together, you need to know that you can fire back. Yeah. So if they mix together, you need to know that you can put wet gunpowder in your cannon and fire back. So it had to, have, it had, it had to be proof from the distillery that it was that strength. If it went bang, really, you know, big bang, it would be overproof. And if it yeah. fizzled and it didn't go bang, it was underproof. And those are the only three strengths. So if you go old westerns and they've got X, XX and XXX written on the, the old ceramic bottles. Uh, that's what they are. Underproof, proof and overproof. So there you go. It all comes down to holding a lit match to some gin-soaked gunpowder. Yep. Apparently. Now, B. B is for botanicals. I don't even need to ask you what botanicals are. Yeah. We talk about botanicals all the time. Everyone will know at least three things that are in gin. You know about juniper. But there is so many types. Yeah. So what are the most common botanicals that we find in gin today? Obviously juniper. It's not gin if it doesn't have juniper in it. Um, also coriander, cardamom, lemon, uh, angelica root, orris root. Cassia. Acacia, yeah. Mm. Orange and licorice. Yeah. So they're the most common ones that you'll find, but... You can include anything and everything. There's a whole host of other botanicals that can be used from nuts and... Yeah, I think it depends on where you actually produce the gin, where you'll go to your local area and find stuff. Like, and that's, that's what will make each gin independent. For example, blue bottle gin, Guernsey. Lovely it, gin, that. Oh, God, it was so good. The blue bottle gin has got a host of botanicals that they forage from just near the distillery. Yeah. So that's why it tastes like it is. It's, yeah. it's magnificent gin. As long as it's plant-based and edible, you can pretty much put it in. Yeah. I mean, Hendrix used rose. Mm -hmm. So, you know, obviously, yeah, you've got lavender. your flowers. Big in lavender. Big fan of lavender. Right? Yeah. And then you've got gin companies that go beyond botanicals, like anti-gin, for yeah. example, who used ants. It's pretty much a free-for-all on yeah. the botanicals front. But I just couldn't pass up the opportunity no, to talk and, about botanicals. Uh, this, this list got tricky. Okay, C is for charge. Do you know what charge means? It's the difference between north and south, isn't it? What do you mean? The, the price of it on the bar. For example, if I was up here, four ninety-five for a double. <laughs> if I was in London, eight hundred million thousand pounds and my firstborn child for a double. Uh, you're not incorrect, but it's not what I was looking for. Is it the main body of alcohol in the still? Yes, that's exactly what it yes. is. Yeah. So charge refers to the alcohol that's placed into the still. Uh, the still may also be referred to as a pot or a boiler or a kettle. So for a pot still, you'll throw everything in and that includes your, your alcohol, but it also includes your botanicals as well. So the alcoholic strength of the charge has a really huge influence on the flavour of the gin. So if you've got really delicate botanicals that have oils that are very soluble in water, 
water, then a lower ABV is recommended. Mm. And that's because the oils can then be easily extracted without damaging the structure of the botanicals. Oh, so the little flowers are all right. Yeah. So, in summary, the charge is the alcohol that goes into the still. The strength of that alcohol will have a huge impact on the flavour of the gin. If you're using a pot distillation method, then you need a lower ABV so you don't damage those botanicals. If you're vapour distilling, then the botanicals don't actually go into the mix and therefore you can have a slightly higher strength of that charge. D is for dog's nose. (laughs) If any of you listened to episode one, you'll remember the dog's nose debacle. Yeah. Dog's nose is a old drink that dates back to the early 19th century. It's made with hot stout. Gaflaw. Gin, sugar and nutmeg. The devil's piss. (laughs) If you listen to episode one and go... Yeah, I'll make that. There's something wrong with you. Oh, you're just an absolute hard ass. Yeah. And we salute you. Yes, we do. E is for essence. Ooh, cheaty, cheaty essence. Yeah, cheaty essence. So (laughs) essences are essentially just flavoured oils. You might buy your vanilla essence from the supermarket if you're baking or cooking. And sometimes gin distillers will use ready-made essences to add flavour to their gin. It's also sometimes used in tonic waters. And you'll have some distillers who will look down on this practice Mm -hmm. and call it the easy way out because... It does. It is something of a shortcut in yeah, the distillation it, it's process. Not, I imagine it's a less authentic taste. Like I imagine Kiora doesn't taste anything like uh, Valencia oranges. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> but uh, still tasty, and I do enjoy a Kiora now and again. <laughs> can you still get Kiora? Of course, you can still get Kiora. An Umbongo. You can still get Umbongo, but I think it's only in those shops, you know, that sells like slightly out of date things for a lot Bro- of broken biscuits. Yeah, like, <laughs> I think that's the only place you can get Umbongo now. Umbongo gin. TM us. <laughs> okay, let's do it. Yeah, Umbongo gin. <clears throat> Should we move on? F is for fixatives. What's a a fixative, Reid? Ploy paste. In a way, I mean, you joke, but in a way it acts as a kind of glue, yeah. Mm. So when you add botanicals to gin, Mm -hmm. you want them to be fairly volatile. And by volatile, we mean the tendency for a substance to vaporise. Now, if a substance is particularly volatile, then it's going to infuse really beautifully into the gin. Now... That's great, but the problem is the more volatile the botanical, the more likely it is to, over time, vaporise, and then you have a bottle of gin standing on the shelf that's going to lose its um, potency. That's why distillers will use fixatives. And they help bind the flavours like a glue, bind the flavours together, and prevent the gin's volatile ingredients, like citruses, from evaporating. Now, I'll give you some examples of fixatives because you might think it would be something like ethachlorical acid yeah, or something. That's what I figured it would be, just like a, a, a liquid that they tip in and put smells in smell prison. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Some horrible chemicals. But some natural examples of fixatives would be coriander seed, mm. uh, angelica root, orris root and nutmeg. Ah. Mm. G. G is for Geneva. Geneva was the 
predecessor to gin, essentially. Yeah. It's where gin got its name, it's derived from the word juniper, and it's what uh, became gin later. So it's a Dutch drink. Um, it's juniper-dominated, but it's not the same as gin. It is clear, it's botanically rich, uses malted grain-based spirit, and that it can only be made in Holland or Belgium. So its flavour is almost whisky-like. Yeah, I got a bottle of Mimenta's off, actually some gin back from Holland. But, all right, and oh. I left it for a while, and I thought it got off, because it was like, it tasted a whisky, and I was like, that's yeah. not gin, mate, it's horrible, mm. that's like whisky. And he was like, oh, sorry, it said it was gin. Mm. So it can be um, it can be young or it can be aged, which means aged in oak barrels for at least a year. Maybe the one you had was aged, especially to give it that extra kind of yep. whiskey, oaky kind of um, flavour to it. H is for hearts. In the context of gin production, what does hearts mean, Matthew? Well, I'll put my knowledgeable hat on. <laughs> hearts is the middle of the distillery process, the liquid where you get the top, it's like the heads, I think it's called, then the heart, then the tails. So, get rid of the heads, and then the heart will start coming through. The good stuff, just keep tasting it every so often, and when the tails start coming through, yes. then stop, get rid of that. Crap. Exactly, so the heart is the liquid that's formed in that middle part of the distillation process, and it's the role of a good distiller to be yeah. able to recognise, by taste, yeah. when... The good stuff's the coming good through. The good stuff's coming through. And when it's running out. And when it's running out, so like, you know how to stop it. Okay, I is for infusions. Infusions, our favourites. Yeah, we know what infusions are. Right, let's think what infusions have we done. We've done... Cho- chocolate limes, recently. Yep, chilli chocolate. Chilli chocolate. We've done mocha. Mocha. Rose and hibiscus. Yeah. I've got a few do's and don'ts for infusion here. Mm-hmm. If anyone wants to make their own gin infusions at home, it's really, really easy. Can't really go that badly wrong. According to the BBC Good Food Guide, here are a few do's and don'ts for infusions. So number one, simple one, always use a clean container which can be sealed. You really want it to be sealed or impurities yeah. will get in. Yeah. It needs to be clean or any impurities will start tasting foul. <laughs> and I'd also suggested that it's also clear because then you can see what's happening inside the gin. Yes. Um, taste it regularly because there's no hard and fast rule about how long you should leave your infusions for. No. If you want it strong, leave it for days. You can even leave it for weeks. Mm-hmm. We leave some of our infusions in just for a couple of hours if we want just a nice light flavour. I think it's the stronger flavours that you don't want to... Like, um, and stuff that will go off like peel, like fresh peel. Yeah, so they, they've suggested here, if you leave strong chilli, vanilla, cardamom or citrus for less than a day, hardy spices and strong flavoured vegetables will need five to seven days. Berries and strong fruit can take around three to four weeks to fully impart their flavour. Milder additions like apple, melon and lemongrass and florals will take up to a month. Now, we found that our apple gin kind of went past its best after a, after a while. Yeah, I think it, if you put perishables in, it'll perish. So if you want a mouthful of, uh, well, basic compost, yeah. <laughs> alcoholic compost, then just be careful with what you're doing with that. Yeah. And final tip... Don't use your whole bottle of spirit. If you've bought a really big bottle of gin to muck about with, don't waste it all on your first we, infusion. Yeah. What sizes do we use? We tend to use 250 millilitres, which Just is like kind a jam of a standard jam, jam, jam jar. Jam jars, aye. That's yeah. what we use. And if we like one, we'll go back to it. Yeah. But we'll not, um, we'll not make... I mean, like, we'll make a whole bottle of one flavour if we like it. But don't put your, all your eggs in one basket. Exactly. So, 
J is for juniper. We could not do juniper. It's juniper. I'll tell you, Matthew. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, yeah, juniper, it's what makes gin gin. And it's a coniferous plant. We discussed in an earlier episode, The Drinker's Vernacular, that the name hails from the Latin meaning evergreen. It hails from Europe, Southwest Asia and North America. Now, it has over time had so many uses. It's pretty much a wonder berry. In fact, I'm not entirely sure it's a berry. I think it might be a seed that resembles a berry. Mm. Is that true? Mm. So doctors used to put juniper in their plague masks. It was used as an antiseptic, a diuretic, uh, a contraceptive, an anti-inflammatory. It has anti-rheumatic properties. Um, The tree's therapeutic properties stem from a volatile oil found in the berries, volatility being great for releasing its flavour into the gin. The oil contains turpins, flavonoids, glycosides, tannins, sugar, tar and resin. So the turpinin 4-O-L, that stimulates the kidneys, increases their filtration rate. Makes you do tinkles more yes, often. Yes, it does, yeah. Flavonoid called amentoflavone exhibits antiviral properties and studies show a constituent of juniper may also inhibit the herpes simplex virus. The resins and tars may benefit skin conditions like psoriasis. It may also improve bad breath, back pain, heart problems and gout, to name but a few. Sounds canny, doesn't it? Yeah, and it tastes great. Yeah. K is for kicking the guts. What does that mean, apart from a literal <laughs> kick in the guts? Kicking the guts, I believe, is one of the nicknames that Jin used to have back in the good old Jin craze days. Yeah, when it was rough. And probably full of awful chemicals, really strong, and we'd get you very, very drunk and yes, probably very that, ill. That was when I don't think Juniper could have saved it. No. Uh, I've read you some of these names before, but it's a good opportunity for me to revisit them. There's a book called Gin Glorious Gin, very good book, by Excellent the way, book, yes. by Olivia Williams. And she lists all the old nicknames that Gin used to have back in the day. So Blue Ruin, Blue Ribboned, Blue Tape. Wasn't that because the old Gin used to be blue, though? They think it's because of the, the colour it made you go it when made you, you drank go, it. Yes, that was right. I, yeah, the, I knew that. Because impurities in the gin would restrict your blood flow yeah. to your face. Crank, Diddle Drain, Frog's Wine, Jackie, a kick in the guts, Lady Dacre's Wine, A Flash of Lightning, Ragwater, Sky Blue and Strip Me Naked. Oh, that sounds like a great night out. I know. <laughs> L is for London Dry. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about London Dry, Matthew. It's a type of gin. Yes, it's a legally protected category type of, of gin. gin. Yes. Most of the gin we drink today is London Dry. And of course, the most important fact about London Dry gin, it has absolutely nothing to do with where it was made. Yes. It must be made from ethyl alcohol of agricultural origin. The base spirit must be distilled to at least 96% ABV. So it can't be produced solely through the use of a pot still. Mm -hmm. You have to use the continuous still. Mm -hmm. The distillate that is produced as a result of redistilling must not be lower than 70% ABV. And the gin must be flavoured with juniper. Juniper must be the predominant flavour and only water or alcohol can be added after distillation. The minimum alcohol strength is 37.5 ABV. So there you go. Nothing to do with London anymore. It was called dry because when the continuous still was invented, it made for a much, much purer product and it meant that sugar no longer had to be added to the gin or or, or any kind of sweetener really to make it palatable. Mm. 
which is why we've got a much more delicate, more botanical, much drier flavour. The actual name for gin made in London, however, is London Cut. London Cut? Mm. So London Cut gin is one that is made within one of the 33 districts that make up Greater London. Oh, right. Mm. M is for maceration. Maceration? Oh, that's a... Basically, a big ball of mash, like a big botanical stew. It is. It is basically a, a botanical, botanical stew. <laughs> yeah. So, macerated gin, which is another word for compound gin, is a gin which be, which has been steeped with botanicals as part of the process. So, they macerate for twelve hours before distilling to extract the flavour from them. So, we've got to M. I think we're going to leave it at M for now, because otherwise we'll be here all night. A big thank you to the Gin Dictionary by David T. Smith. We did use that for a couple of our uh, entries. And enormous thanks to Luke Smith. Luke Smith, who is our uh, gin... Oracle. Yeah, aye. Um, Not only did we include that really interesting clip of an interview that we did with him, but tonight we got stuck for a few entries and he helped us out massively. So thank you to you guys. Thanks to Olivia Williams for the extract from Gin Glorious Gin. Yes. We will complete the alphabet on a future show, but for now we hope we've left you semi-fluent in the language of gin. We've got an interview coming up for you now, so top up your glass, don't go anywhere. And I've got a very special guest over the phone here. It's Susie Hobbs of Henley's Gin. Hello, Susie. Hello. Hi, Matt. Hello. Uh, I understand that you are uh, part of the Henley's Gin Company. Is this correct? Yes, yeah. We, um, well, it's at Mr. Hobbs' Henley Gin. Yes, um, we launched um, last May now um, to celebrate, um, actually, our family business um, 150th anniversary. Yeah, it's not just gin, though, is it? It's a, it's a boat hire as well? Yeah, so our, fam- our family business, um, it's actually my husband's family business. Um, he's fifth generation, Mr Hobbs. We run a boat hire company in Henley-on-Thames. We've got over 60 boats here, ranging from just a little rowing boat to a, a big Mississippi paddle steamer, which takes up to 200 passengers. It's incredible. And we... We were looking at ways of celebrating our 150th anniversary, um, which is coming up soon, and we started looking at the, f- uh, f- the founding fathers. My, that was my husband's um, great great grandfather. Yeah. And his name's Harry Hobbs, and he is actually um, he was actually a publican before he was a boat builder, mm-hmm. and he founded the business back in 1870. But before then, he, as I said, he was a, a publican, and he was renowned for his. Um, High spirits, and um, I've, I've read a bit about him. <laughs> he sounds like an absolute party animal. Yeah, yeah, he he, he liked to have fun. He had, um, I believe, he had about eleven or twelve children from very different from different ladies, shall we say? Yeah. And um, yeah, I think he was making his own gym. Might be more like moonshine those days, but yeah, he, yeah. he certainly knew how to have a good time. Yeah, he certainly did. We just we just thought of ways of looking at celebrating and both my husband and I really love gin and um, he did too and we just thought what a great way of tying the two together um, so yes we brought out Mr Hobbs Gin. So you, do you run like gin tours on the river? Yeah we do, we run uh, gin tasting cruises, we run gin and fizz cruises, we've also just added another gin related cruise to, to the, um, our calendar of events which is a gin and jazz cruise. Um, oh that sounds incredible. Tasting- 
the gin, the gin tasting cruises have been a, a, a huge success, and people people just love gin at the moment. So yeah, well, long may it rain. Yeah, I don't see it dropping off. The six thousand varieties of gin at the minute, and it's true. People are constantly. Um, every every almost week, you've, you'll find another um, gin that's being launched. Um, yeah. And it, it's it, recently, I believe, um, Graham Norton's just decided to to make a gin um, to add to his um, his wine selections. And um, yeah, it's a good time to, to launch a gin. That's for sure. I understand that you're about to release some flavoured gins yourself. Yes, we've just done um, a soft launch of our, our gin, our, our fruit flavoured gin liqueurs. Um, we sort of jumped on that bandwagon as well a little bit because that seems to be a very popular oh, absolutely. drink of choice now as well. Um, and it's great, you know, the liqueurs can be drunk, um, neat, tonic, soda, prosecco, yeah. anything really. Um, but our flavours, um, we've we've gone with flavours that we believe to be very popular, um, which is raspberry and elderflower. Oh yeah. And rhubarb and ginger. Yeah. Um, and both both are doing really well. I, I, I foresee the um, rhubarb and ginger maybe stepping up a bit more towards the sort of autumn winter time. Um, the, the raspberry and elderflower is, is, is proving to be a bit of a summer tipple really with um, um, light tonic we're, we're suggesting with the, with the fever tree light tonic yeah. um, with, with some mint and raspberries um, which makes a really lovely summer drink we've been looking for your gin uh, up here we'll try to get hold of some and uh, we'll manage to get some and uh, it's it's lovely it's got a lovely lovely strong flavour the the notes that it's got like, like lime leaf and uh, and lemon uh, very, yes. yeah oh I, lo- I love a citrusy gin that's one of my uh, so do I yeah. I mean when we were looking at um making the gin we 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 unfortunately don't make it ourselves as much as we'd like to I think um what with all the boats and everything yeah else, of course I mean like uh, <laughs> been a bit, bit yeah too- bit too much for us to do but but we've um we've got a um a, a company called fox denton estates who yeah. are um, very local they're in buckingham um so our neighboring um county and um and they've got their own award-winning um gin which is the fox denton 48 so yeah. we we started um working with them a while back now um and we worked on the basis that what do we like to drink mm-hmm. um we've we've gone to various um um, distilleries and done gin tours, and we've we've actually done the the, the gin institute on Portobello Road, which, yeah. which um, was a really really great um, experience because we got to really sample and make our own gins and, and sample lots of different botanicals so, and see what works with what. But it's um, we decided a citrus gin is, is the gin we wanted to produce. Um, it, it obviously is a lovely citrusy gin. It is forty five percent volume, and I but even though it's forty five percent, a lot of people. Feel it's an incredibly, you know, smooth yeah. um, gin um, for forty-five percent. So, for yeah, your really gin, nice. what would be your perfect serve? Um, the, well, we, we really like it with the Mediterranean um, fever tree tonic, yeah. um, and with the, uh, a curl of orange peel and loads of ice. It's equally lovely with um, a premium Indian tonic um, as well. But the Mediterranean does give it a really lovely twist yeah. to it. Actually, I tell you, what, I've been enjoying the, the botanical Fentiman's botanical. Uh, Tonic water, something else. Yeah, that's lovely. Yeah, so yeah. good. I mean, the, the thing is now, I think this is a great thing. The beauty of gin, and people always say, you know, what's so special about gin? And I, I really think that the fact that there is something for everybody. Oh, absolutely. So many things to play around with. You can have so much fun trying different tonics of different gins and different fruit flavored gins. And really, it's just you know, I struggle to. I think people should almost would struggle to find something they couldn't like yeah of there course are so many options yeah there's a lot of people i've spoken oh i don't like gin i went well okay i try this they've tried mm. they've tried a monkey 47 they've gone well that that's 
tastes completely different. Of course, yes. it tastes completely different. Tesco's own brand. Well, <laughs> that's it. You know, I think I think people are just um, go back to the days when they were just given one type of tonic and one type yeah. of gin. I'm not going to name anything. But, um, I think well, I think now that people um, that say they don't like gin, and I'll give them a Mr. Hobbs gin and tonic with Mediterranean tonic, yeah. and they'll go, oh my God, that's delicious. That's really nice. So it's uh, it's almost like... I've converted a lot of um, non-gin drinkers. Yeah, it's almost like a Subway now, isn't it? Where you got, like, uh, you've, got, you've got so many combinations of how you can take it. Exactly, right, exactly. We've got 37 different tonics here. We've got, we've got uh, uh, down to ice or no ice as well. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, exactly. I think there's, uh, there's no excuse not to love gin now. And uh, just before we go, you've obviously got your flavoured gins coming out, but what's next? Yes, things in the in the pipeline that we'd like to do. One uh, would potentially be and dry gin. Um, and we're also looking at doing some miniatures as well. Um, and um, there's some other things that we're sort of thinking about, but at the moment we're... Keeping under wraps, I understand, go, yeah. I understand. Well, that's that's lovely. Thank you very much, Susie. Uh, I very much appreciate you, Very much appreciate the thing. And uh, next time we're down, we'll uh, pop onto one of your boats and say hello. Do, do. It was good to talk. Thank you, Matt. So huge thanks to Susie Hobbs of Mr Hobbs Gin. That interview was recorded a few months ago now, just as they were launching their new range of flavoured liqueurs. So they will be available now. Give them a try. If you have somebody in your life who's not a massive gin lover, take it on Susie's good authority. Even non-gin fans will enjoy these liqueurs, perhaps, as she says, with a Prosecco or a light tonic water. If you're in the Henley region, get yourself down to the river, Get on a gin cruise, perfect for when the weather gets a little bit warmer. So thanks again, Susie, for that fantastic interview. Gin News. Headlines today. Simply the Zest. South African supermarket launches citrus medley made specially for gin. I'll tack the slow road. Scottish Gin Society unveils Scottish Gin Map. And why not? Winemakers Chapeldown open gin bar and distillery in central London. Simply the Zest. A South African retailer called Pick and Pay is launching a combination of citrus specifically paired to use with gins at over 200 of its stores. It's proved a highly fruitful venture as customers took to Twitter to describe it as the most Cape Town thing that's ever happened. It costs just £45, round, which is a mere £2.50. And a pick-and-pay spokesperson, Janine Caradonna, told Business Insider South Africa, gin continues to be a favourite with our customers and we wanted to enhance their gin experience over and above, offering them an increasing range of tonic options. Now, if you don't live in South Africa, don't worry, you can make your own simply by purchasing one grapefruit, two limes and two lemons. Job done. I'll tack the slow road. Scottish Gin Society unveils Scottish Gin Map. Gin lovers can now explore the blossoming Scottish gin industry with ease. An Aberdeenshire-based artist named Laura Bremner has created a map that features locations of all gin-making distilleries in Scotland. The beautiful map, which is perfect for displaying in your home, features only those producers which have their own stills. Stephen White, founder of the Scottish Gin Society, said, We think that the release of this beautiful map of Scottish gins is a fitting celebration of an astounding year for the industry. An astounding year indeed. You can download your own copy of the map. Just go to www.thescottishginsociety.com and grab a copy there. And finally, why not? 
winemakers Chapel Down opened gin bar and distillery in central London. So as the gin revolution shows no signs of slowing down, it seems everyone wants a piece of the delicious gin pie. Chapel Down, who are best known for their wines, have opened a canal side bar in King's Cross, central London. Though the gins are the main attraction, the Chapel Down bar also stocks the proprietor's own wines and beers. An on-site distillery is expected to host tastings and gin-making classes starting soon, and a restaurant with seasonal British menu will be opening soon as well. You can find the Chapel Down Gin Works at Goods Way in King's Cross, so get yourself down there if you're fairly local. Give it a try. Let us know how you found it. So, while Matt drinks gin in the Alps, leaving his co-host to pick up the pieces with a cold and a sore throat. That was today's Gin News. Right, and now welcome to a very new feature. Battle of the Gins. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 dun. That was like a battle song. Was it? Yeah. Can you imagine riding on a horse in the battle? I can, yes. Singing that? Very clearly. Okay, that can, tell you what, you can have that one. Thank you. The jingle for Battle of the, battle of the Gins is now dun 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 dun. Yeah. Battle of the Gins. There we go. Thank you. Right, now we've got two gins doing a blind taste test. Sarah I know knows what they what are, are, but you don't. No, I do not. I'm, I'm going to tell you what they both are, but I'm not going to tell you which one is which. Okay. Okay, so today we've got Durham Gin. Durham Gin. Ooh, my hometown. Yes, indeed. So in Durham Gin, this was established in 2014. Mm-hmm. So very much influenced by the Northeast and Northeastern botanicals. So we've got elderflower in there. We've got... Punching. Uh, Pun- punching? Fights, yeah. Fights. We've got fights in there. Okay. <laughs> yeah, the taste of a pavement on we've a Saturday night. We've got poverty. There's <laughs> some poverty in there. Um... Elderflower, cardamom, we've got notes of pepper in there. It's a spicy one. It's a spicy one. Yeah. And then for the elephant gin, this is very much inspired by Africa. Now, it's made in Germany, but the inspiration behind it was Africa and African conservation. So this is a couple who run a... Uh, distillery on an apple farm in Germany. So it uses apples, Good thinking. Good thinking. But it also uses a number of rare African botanicals. So you've got something called lion's tail in there, which sounds really interesting. Doesn't sound like Um, conserving them if they're cutting lion's tails off just for gin. Yeah, like I shark don't think soup. it's real lion's tail. But, oh, you know, good, yeah. good. And if you are listening to Elephant Gin, don't, 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 don't you dare. Don't use lions. Don't you dare use lions in your gin. <laughs> it's also got cassia bark in it, but it has also got elderflower, which is also common to the uh, Durham Gin. Um, it's got orange peel. Mm. So a nice blend of citrusy um, and a little bit spicy as well. So Ooh. two spicy ones today. Um, I should also say about the elephant gin, which is a lovely fact about them, is that 15% of all of their profits go to elephant conservation in Africa. I do know this, and I do know that they write the name of the elephants in their conservation programme on the name of each bottle? Yes, exactly. So Different when you, one? Yeah, so when you buy a bottle of elephant gin, it, handwritten on the front of the bottle will be a name of one of the elephants, yeah. That's got to make someone's arm ache. Yeah, I know. If that's handwritten. Maybe they get the elephants to write it themselves. That's ridiculous. Right. Shall we move on to the tasting, Matthew? Okay. All right, I'm going to get you to taste them neat first. Okay, I'll now, give you a try. You don't know which one's which. Nope. 
I'd blindfold myself, but it's not like you can look at a gin and go, I'll tell you which one that is. Actually, could you close your eyes a sec, because... First one. First one. Oh, no, that's a lovely scent, that. I get an orange peel, oh, definitely. There's so a bit of orange in there. Oh, that is that is fresh. Interesting. So you're, you're smelling orange peel. So does that mean you're thinking... I'm thinking... One second. There's cardamom in there. Ah, well, now there's cardamom in the Durham gin. Mmm. I'm definitely tasting lion's tail. Am I? <laughs> Am I? Well, rather than guessing what you're tasting, why not just say what you think about it? It's a lovely gin. It's, it's, got, it's, a, it's a really round taste. It's like a, it bounces around your mouth. It's like it tastes a little bit, and this isn't a downside, a little bit like the smell of fresh rubber. Okay. I'm getting peppers in there. There's a lot of, a lot of pepper in there. And it's pine. Like, it, it smells a bit piney. That's interesting, because the elephant gin has mountain pine So I'm it. getting peppery and pine. Okay, give us, give us the next one, then. Yeah, well, you're going to try it there. I huh? was just going to have a it's look. It's not for you. Now, this one's much more peppery. Okay. This is much more peppery. I'm getting cardamom in there. I'm really heavy. That's a spicy one, that. Let's just have it. Ooh. Oh, that's it's tart. Is it? Yes, it's a uh, it's sharper on that. It's a lot sharper. Inky. Inky. Yeah, it tastes like getting a mouthful of ink at school. So rubber and ink. There's a stationary theme emerging. Yes, here. yes, yes. Uh, this one's definitely a helix ruler. <laughs> this this gin is shatterproof. <laughs> right. Well, so... the second one is nice. I'm leaning towards the first one. So, before you decide, let's put a splash of Schweppes in there. Just a splash of Schweppes. Let's try the first one again with a splash of bloody Schweppes in. Well, I'm picking up the Schweppes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm picking up tonic. Oh, it's just such a refreshing flavour. It's so nice. What's that flavour in the back? It's 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 a very woody. It's a very woody flavour in the back. Oh, so you're getting a woody yeah, it's flavor. A, yeah, it's, a, it's like a charcoal-y type, um, like a barbecue smell flavour. Because elephant gin has cassia bark in it. Mm. Well, if that's cassia bark, I like it. Well, we don't know. We don't know. Mm-hmm. Number two. Number two. Let's try this. Oh, still, still get the gin over the tonic on that one. That one got overpowered a bit by the tonic, but we've used the same amount. So uh, you, you can still smell the uh, gin in this. That's interesting because the elephant gin is 45% volume mm-hmm. and the Durham gin is 40%. So it, is this throwing a spanner into the works? Are we thinking this might be the elephant gin, number two? I don't think it is. Do you not? No, I think this is the Durham gin and I think that's the elephant gin. Okay, and which do you prefer? I'm all for the elephant gin. Well, I'm, I'm 100% sure I'm right here. That is definitely the Durham gin. Okay, I'm going to reveal you are absolutely right. Super yes. taster. Super taster math strikes again. Don't okay. like brag. So I do. I love bragging. <laughs> it's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so you were absolutely correct on which one was which. You picked up on the bark, you picked up on the pine, and you picked up on the cardamom and the pepper. Yeah, that's very similar to the like the Ophir. Ah, okay. Yeah, and Ophir, I'm, not, I'm like, not a massive fan of Ophir No, myself. I'm not. I'm not a fan. It's like, it's a little bit too on the spicy side for me. Okay. The Durham gin, so not for me. But if you like Ophir, I would recommend say, the try Durham. the Durham gin, yes. Okay, I'm going to have a try myself. Oh. Really wish I'd tasted that elephant gin neat because 
Like you said, that is getting quite there overpowered is a by the tonic water. Where's the bottle? Still a drop in the bottom of the bottle. Okay. Try that. Oh, now neat. That is absolutely exquisite. It's like you say, it's so clean. Yeah. Uh, the the pine really comes there's, through. There's about yeah, you get about seven different times, like different flavors at a time. Right? Yeah, it's but it's got gorgeous. A, it's got a real citrusy sweetness just at the end there. Where's the Durham gin bottle? Oh. Now try that because there's still a drop left in the bottom of there. Lovely bottle, mind. I see what you mean. Very spicy. Very spicy. I do like that. Mm. But I, I agree with you. I think the elephant's winning it for me. The elephants. The elephants. So, in the, the elephants just stomped all over Durham. It has. It has. Durham has been crushed under the foot of a giant elephant. Your hometown as well. Um, but the only thing I would say about the elephant gin is that because it's so delicate, mm-hmm. it does easily get overpowered yeah. by the tonic water. So what I would say with the, the elephant gin is just go light on the tonic water. Or even genuinely just ice. Yeah. Ice and a, maybe a squirt of whatever your favourite citrus is over the top of it. Yeah, or a bit of a dash of, a dash of bitters or, or even a, um, you know, the Saint Germain. Uh, yeah, or the elderflower. Elderflower oh, liqueur. God, we need to get a bottle of that. Just a splash of that in there oh. over a lot of ice. What was that noise? That, was that you just letting that, that go? That was me literally deflating <laughs> at the very idea of having one of those right now. We need to get a bottle of Saint Germain. Mm. I know. That sent you in, just was that knocks it up. Box? Knocks it up a notch, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, so, my verdict on the elephant gin is great for a summer's day, very crisp. Money goes to a good cause, which makes it oh, yeah, yeah. even better. Oh, God, what's our elephant called? Toma. Toma. Hey, Toma. Hi. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> I was going to say, I don't know what animal I did. Toma the weird goat. <laughs> Go light on the mixers. Let me have another taste of the oh, Durham with the tonic. I've just polished off the elephant gin. Oh, thanks. See, it's still strong enough to come through the tonic, aren't it? It does. Yeah, so, yeah, I, I would say gen, gen, be generous with the tonic on the Durham gin. So the elephant gin was too delicate and then the Durham gin's just chinned the tonic. It has, I told you. It has there was fights the tonic, in it. There was violence. There was, fights, there was yeah. violence in the gin. <laughs> so, I like them both, but I'm going to go for the elephant um, First winner, winner, Elephant Gin. Elephant June. Elephant June. It was the voice was slowing down. You see, like it was that your slow down voice. Elephant. We've June. already had a comment about your voices. People love my voices. We've had one comment that just <laughs> didn't love your voices. <laughs> and if that's you, uh, thank you for I've, backing me up. I've had a tweet by a private message. Have you? That said that I can't read. Yeah, you have. Yeah. I deleted it just instantly. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. did you? Um, and it just said, do more voices. Is that, is yeah. that, is that right? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, I didn't, know, you, didn't, know, your... didn't know your mum had a Twitter. So... <laughs> yeah, it's all right. Um, yep, yeah, there we go. The verdict in Elephant Gin. Go get some. Elephant Gin, the winner of Battle of the, the Gins. Gins. You didn't even do your jingle. <laughs> You've had all this argument for the jingle and you didn't even do it. Dun, 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 dun. That is Mission Impossible. Thank you very much for listening. Jargon busters. Yeah, enjoyed that. We've had loads of new, new listeners this week as well. Yes, we have. We were. Uh, oh yeah, thank you to Podbean. A huge thank you to Podbean. If you're a podcaster, Podbean's a great place to have your podcast. Amazing. Yeah, they're they're really good hosts. Really easy to use as a platform. And customer service is second to none. I have never like it, I think we were 
dealing with them in the middle of the night. They replied straight away. It was amazing. So highly recommend Podbean. Thank you for featuring us as podcast of the week. We've got loads of new listeners. Welcome if you're just joining us. And uh, we'll see you next week. Yep. Mother's Room podcast was written and performed by Matthew Reed and Sarah Dunley. Theme tune written and performed by Holly Jazz Cotzier.